and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host and now editor... Yes, editor of this podcast, uh, uh, Sam Ashurst. And I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I've spent 95 of the very limited and precious minutes I have on this planet watching Contamination. And I'm about to spend 30 or so more of those precious minutes talking about it. Why? (laughs) Because Dan decided that of all the Arrow video and Arrow Academy titles he could have chosen for us this fortnight, he chose this one. We're about to find out why. Dan, take it away. Well, mostly just as my gift to you, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) I did wonder if if this had turned into trolling at this point, but um, (laughs) because you miss do you miss the baby now? Uh, yeah, no, I, I do miss the baby. I mean, this this makes demons look like days of being wild. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what's your history with this film, Dan? Where, where's the passion come from? Um, I mean, I saw this comparatively early into my, my journey into um, sort of Euro horror. Right. Um, and I just, it you know... There are so many like mad and wonderful films that come out of Italy, but for some reason this one really resonated with me. It, it was definitely presented to me as a ripoff of Alien, and that's definitely there. But it's also a ripoff of a me- of many many other things, <laughs> um, and it's like it almost kind of eats its own tail to some extent. Um, it's quite earnest. It's not very like it's schlocky, but without ever being pantomime. I think Luigi Cosi has taken it quite seriously, and actually, I think it's got quite a lot to recommend it as well. It's definitely got a rather flabby second act, like it drags Jesus a bit in the Christ. middle. Uh, and again, I'm not entirely sure it was fair to make you presumably watch this on your own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but but I think the third act more than makes up for it. There's some stuff that goes on towards the end and at the beginning that is just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, this film made me realise quite a lot of things, actually. It, it made me realise that I don't think it's the fact that I watch these films on my own that's the issue because I realise that I've watched many of these kinds of movies on my own, particularly like American Slashers, and, and absolutely loved them. I saw Troll 2 on my own. And, really? And loved that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that the issue actually is that I'm not a massive fan of Italian exploitation, like not in the same <gasps> way that I enjoy kind of American trash movies or or even Spanish trash movies or, or what, whatever it is. Like, I, I love the genuinely great uh, Italian exploitation movies or horror movies or whatever, like Argento stuff, obviously, or Fulci or Sergio Martino. But yeah, whenever you suggest these slightly shit Italian movies, I don't enjoy them at all. (laughs) And I think that's possibly because I didn't grow up on them. It wasn't part of my film culture as a kid. And I think a lot of these kind of films, I think you do have to see them as a teenager, perhaps when you haven't seen as much else to be excited by them and you kind of carry that love through to adulthood whereas i don't have that history so i'm just like oh fucking hell the, the, <laughs> the script shit the, the acting shit the the plotting shit it's like it, it's kind of a bit of a chore for me but you know there are people out there who have grown up on these movies who do have that kind of affection for them and so i'm going to try not to go in too hard on contamination i had an early draft of uh, some of the comments i was gonna make and um 
yeah they, they were pretty harsh so i've kind of stripped back the script a little bit on this one i'm just going to give you the floor so why don't you, you start... you've just left it with <laughs> yeah i'm just going to hand you this uh hot avocado yeah it is a very very hot avocado so why, why don't you start by um telling the precious arrowheads the plot of contamination I, I shall do. I must say, I do like that you threw out your aggressively anti-negative notes and were just left with the plot's shit, the acting's <laughs> shit. No, I <laughs> mean shit, everything about it's shit. No, I mean, I, it was more that I was going to make some kind of quite offensive comparisons, but I've decided to wheel that back uh, this time because, you know, I'm editing the, the, the episodes now, so um, there's no one just, to hold just, me back except me, and I don't trust yeah. me, so... Um, so, yeah. It's just more work for you later, having to chop it all out again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, yes, what is, what is the plot of Contamination, Dan? Because you know what? I've seen it and I'm not sure. Well, uh, so you know how you like uh, Alien and you don't like Zombie Flesh Eaters particularly, but also Zombie Flesh Eaters mm-hmm. and then also Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. I mean, um, talk about going from the sublime to the ridiculous with your recommendations. Like, it's kind of, you could do a double bill. Um, yeah. If you want it, a really disappointing movie to be. Anyway, c- carry on, Dan. What, what's this plot? <laughs> one, the one to fall asleep to and then wake up when it gets loud again at the end. Yes. <laughs> Tends to be how these films are watched. Yes. Well, like uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters, the movie starts with a, uh, a ship, an unmanned ship, a sort of Marie Celeste event turning up in a, a New York harbour and carrying a sort of cursed cargo, except it's not a big fat zombie. It's a load of hot avocados. <laughs> smuggled in coffee crates from South America, which I assume that's a reference to the fact that the money was funded with uh, Colombian drug money. Uh, And then, yeah, and then it is a sort of slightly messy sort of race against the clock between the uh, the humans who are aware of there being something peculiar going on with these eggs and the the sort of hypnotized worker ants drones who are farming, intensely farming these eggs at the behest Mm. of a giant subterranean uh tree with an eye yeah uh, otherwise known as the alien cyclops and i do like that the alien cyclops gets its own effects credit um, yeah would you I'm ever big... ask for that kind of credit like multi-headed llama for color out of space for example like you you know is that something I've... that you could insist on in the future i've literally just insisted on an opening title credit card yes <laughs> on something <laughs> But I need. Is, we need more of this. Uh, have you literally plucked out the best effect from that movie and given yourself a credit just for that, or is it just well, an overall? Uh, the, the thing I like about it is when you get that not just like special effects buy, but yes. this specific thing buy. Exactly. The yeah. thing. The thing I like about it is it's always a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> like when you watch uh, pos- uh, Possession, Andrzej Zalowski's Possession, right? Mm. For the first forty minutes of that film, you're not thinking. Hmm. I can't wait for the creature to turn up. <laughs> yeah. And yet, there's an opening title card that says "The Creature," designed by Carlo Rambaldi. Absolutely. I well, I I actually, on, on a slightly serious note here, I think it's only beneficial to be oh, excited yeah. about a specific element. Whether I, yeah, I completely agree. Whether it's a spoiler or not. Um, for example, Hitchcock hated um, whodunits because it's kind of almost pointless until you find out who done it and like there's no tension or anything like that you're literally just waiting to you know maybe you're engaged maybe you're trying to look for clues and stuff but ultimately you know it's the the film's job to trick you and then that's kind of the end of it 
Um, whereas he preferred the films where you kind of knew at the start what the peril was and who the who the threat was. Um, because, you know, it, it's that old cliche of showing the bomb underneath the table, you know, increasing yeah. tension in that way. And this, for me, is a bit of a showing the bomb under the table because you're like, oh, wow, holy shit, that must be special. Um, I'm going to be engaged and I'm going to wait for it to appear. And I tell you what, Dan, relatively, in context, it is <laughs> special. It's on the cover of the Blu-ray. Like... Yeah, I mean, it was on a lot of the posters as well. But did yeah. you like uh, how it sucks up people like strands of spaghetti? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was mean, good. I, I, I enjoyed it because I knew that I was getting, you know, ever closer to the end credits by that point. Um, <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, let, let's talk about the positives. Um, uh, Dan. Yeah. Let, what, what, do you like, what are some do of the positives? Do you like the bit where Ian McCulloch denies knowing about what Mars is? Yep, that was good. Um, what, what is Mars? I don't know what Mars is. What even is Mars? And uh, obviously, to go back to the credits, music is by The Goblin, not Goblin. The Goblin. I, I don't know if that's a typo, if that's an attempt to distance themselves from this project. Uh, I, don't, I think it's the American think... standards. Yeah, like it's the, because the. it's a different lineup, isn't it? But um... yeah. Well, but also it's because uh, America used to put the in front of all band names. Yeah, yeah. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if they were trying to distance themselves or if it was a typo. It's a, a good typo. soundtrack. It it sounds like someone farting into a shoe, Dan, or or a, a, a bee on the toilet. It, it's it's horrendous. <laughs> it's not. It's great. I mean, you are certainly aligned with, and actually, to a certain extent, I am slightly aligned with the uh, the, the the ex editor of Fangoria and Gore Zone magazine, Chris Alexander, um, yeah. who who does a kind of self described fan commentary. That a also, really good commentary. It is a good commentary, and it also insults the film um, in several places, but decides that that doesn't matter. Like he he says that it's incoherent, ridiculous, yeah. quite silly, goofy, and ill thought out. Yeah. But he considers those strengths because, as he says, realism is for the bourgeois. I, that, I also wrote that down. That is a great quote. <laughs> I mean, it certainly does fold into your worldview, Dan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting how my tastes and my professional conduct are so diametrically opposed. Exactly, they really are, um, which is why I always find these these specific conversations quite fascinating. Um, you know, it's it's almost worth having to sit through the film to to find out what it is that that kind of made you want to recommend it in the first place. Aside, obviously, from uh, wanting to give me an unpleasant evening. Um, yeah, so. This is a film... How old were you when you first saw it, did you say? I'm guessing I was, like, 15. Yeah, I think that's kind of a roundabout spot on, isn't it, for... Good timing. Good timing, yeah. Um, and you'd, you'd seen Alien first, obviously. I'm, I was trying to work out... When you asked me how old I was when I seen it, I'm not entirely sure I had. Okay, interesting, yeah. I... I I think I'd almost certainly not seen Aliens when I saw this, mm -hmm. which is fine because the people who made it hadn't seen Aliens when they made it. <laughs> but, but I um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I had seen Alien by the time I saw this. I must have done. What kind of weird fucked up world do you get hold of this instead of Alien? Well, you know, there, there, many examples of this happening. I mean, 
my greatest dark secret um that you know i'm, I'm definitely definitely going to remember to edit out um is the fact that <laughs> i only saw alien the first alien for the first time um within the past 10 years let's say um are you serious yeah yeah i, I think we i remember we had a conversation about it because i got we've it, watched it was, it was when i was living it was when i was living with you that i saw it for the first time um, did you watch it with me I don't think I did. No, but we discussed it. But um, yeah, well, we watched with. I, I'm, it's not my business to say what the films were. We watched a couple of. You know, we've everyone's got their gaps. Yeah, you know, things that they haven't seen, classics they've missed out on, and uh, more on that later. And I, I remember watching at least one with you, where you were like, "You must not tell anyone I haven't seen this," <laughs> yeah. because it was because it was a big title, and people do get very judgy about that stuff. Yeah, but, I, but as I, a result, I'm amazed that we watched those instead of. I mean, Alien, this is, is so why I've I've definitely edited this part of the conversation out, and, and no one outside of you or I will ever hear this because um, it is it is a deep source of shame that I hadn't seen Alien. But my justification is, I saw Aliens first, and Aliens was the first DVD I ever bought, for example. Like, and obviously <laughs> I'd seen it on VHS over and over and over again. I was fucking obsessed with Aliens. I loved it so much. And I'd seen so many clips of Alien in those kind of shows that used to be on TV in the nineties, yeah, yeah. like eighties and nineties, more nineties, um, where you just you felt like you'd already seen it. Like I'd seen so many bits and pieces, so I'm like, oh, I could watch Alien, but I'll just watch Aliens again. I know that doesn't have any <laughs> any logic whatsoever. Um, and I'd I'd seen Alien three. I'd seen all of them before i'd seen the first one sheer madness yeah and so you know i decided to to obviously sit down and just get it over and done with <laughs> and i was like holy fucking shit this is one of the greatest films i've ever seen obviously i mean again you know i loved blade runner i was obsessed with blade runner and for some reason i didn't get off my ass to watch the first alien but um but i did and i loved it and it's incredible and ridley scott is a genius right dan D dan <clears throat> and and that's why i'm sure you won't cut out what i just said <laughs> oh amazing I'll, I'll check with the lawyers um right so what should we should we talk about the extras a little bit because um there isn't yeah, really I mean, that I, much to say about the film, is there? I mean, come on. Well, th this is actually where I thought it was going to win you back, even if you weren't as in love with the film as I'd hoped. Because it is a, it's a fantastic uh, load of extras. Yeah. Just because they've managed to source stuff from all over the place. I mean, quite aside from the excellent commentary, mm. um, you've got uh, ar like an archival making of, which feels like it must have been quite the rarity at the time, mm -hmm. given the era. Um, in which a quite chipper and sort of in-character Cozzy talks you through the process of making the movie. He talks mm. about inspiration, uh, where it came from. But then you get to see behind-the-scenes behind footage, mm. again, at a time when that wasn't particularly common. Uh, and one of my favourite things about it is he just keeps on going on about how films are fake. <laughs> yeah. well, it's None of it's real, and it's very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, I think because this was a comparatively early making of as well. Yeah, it it very much takes the the tone of, all right, public, you won't know any of this. Yeah, most of what he's saying in there is common knowledge as far as it refers to sort of the general practice of making films. And so the 
the interest in that particular extra is partly as a time capsule Absolutely. Of, of that period, but also just this sort of like looking back with nostalgia on the novelty of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I particularly enjoyed the um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, um, it's not really a video essay because it's basically talking heads. It, it's kind of a, a critical analysis of the Italian cash in, and I was not expecting Antonioni and Fellini to be mentioned on this disc, uh, but they are name checked here. But yeah, it's basically a, a bunch of talking heads, as I said, discussing the Italian rip off industry. Uh, very interesting. The seventeen minutes kind of fly by. And yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy video essays, but I do miss talking head extras. So it was really kind of lovely to see this here because, the, the, you know, they're not as prevalent as they once were, um, possibly because of the old, uh, you know, global situation. But yeah, it was really nice to, to see people actually talking um, about a subject. I'm surprised we don't see more Zoom extra features now, given the... Well more about that later oh exciting yeah um yeah i thought the uh the, the q a from abattoir was really good as well yeah. with mcculloch and cozzy yeah uh that was that's really where they <laughs> like mcculloch basically says he thinks that the film was actively smuggling drugs <laughs> not just that the money was coming from Colombian drug smugglers which we know to be true but that the film was literally packing drugs in with their kit as they were moving between Colombia and Miami. What's the name of the ship again? Oh, it's um, it's the Caribbean Lady. Yes, there you go. Um, you know, because boats are gendered female, obviously, so lady, and it's come from the tropics, so uh, the Caribbean. Um, it's very logical, but it's not exactly the Nostromo, is it? So I do think that potentially that lady had uh, seen more action other than uh smuggling aliens i hate to break it to you sam but i don't think they actually took that ship from their location in Colombia to their location in new york i think they probably just chartered that ship from new york i feel like i it, it's one of those films that so wants to tell you that it's in new york that <laughs> no one was ever in new york <laughs> i had a it's, it's been a long time since we've mentioned it but i had a lovely thank you blu-ray moment on this oh yeah um and that's the helicopter pilot at the beginning with a small square of post-it note with NY written on it added to his cap. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely know that they're in New York. Just in case you hadn't realised it from the 100,000 tourist destinations that they uh, that yep. they edit in. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, that's pretty much all I've got to say about this uh, this film, really. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes. Like I say, I did strip out quite a lot of... Uh, uh, really of rudeness angry angry ranting um <laughs> because hey let's face it you know i do like a, a lot of shit um i just ordered a, a a whole load of um potentially terrible movies on blu-ray so um I'm oh, sure... i just did a, a ridiculous blu-ray order as well uh i wonder if we got them from the same source um, i wonder yeah they sure they'll turn up in recommendations yeah exactly oh i wonder if we'll have any cl- crossovers in recommendations now because we've both um gone mad in the same sale is it dan uh two sales oh, two sales so so that doubles the chance of us crossing over fantastic two, two american companies yeah yeah same here so yeah I'm, I'm really really excited about those deliveries but they will uh find their way into recommendations over the next month or so i'm sure uh yeah. right show, speaking of recommendations shall we recommend films based on this film dan why don't you go first 
Yes, I'd just like to point out that someone does at one point say in the film, it's like something out of a movie. And it's like, yes, it is. It's something out of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favourite quote is still, that's not coffee. But um, yeah, what a shit film this is. Dan, recommend a film based on, on the back of it. Um, well, I sort of, I, I wrote my um, I wrote my recommendations before I watched the extras. And I was... You know, I'm always I always try and avoid stuff that gets mentioned on the disc, but it's difficult because they cover a lot. Um, I'm going to recommend The Great White uh, by Enzo Castellari. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a ripoff of Jaws. It's basically shot for shot, but slightly more gory. Um, I love it. Again, you know, Jaws being a seminal masterpiece, I'm sure a lot of people will be maddened by it, especially the folks at Universal who keep on refusing to let it be released in America. But yeah, it's it's I'd say it's one of the sort of jewels in the crown of the Italian rip-off subgenre. I do actually have uh, Great White, but I haven't ever watched it, so <gasps> maybe I'll, I'll dig that out and give it a watch it's, before it's next got, time. It's got bits in it that are slightly different from the uh, the American original uh-huh. uh, that I think then got borrowed for sequels, oh, for the official sequels. Well, maybe it'll be the one that converts me to um, these uh, these terrible Italian movies. Uh, it 100% won't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, unlike you, I do like mentioning films that appear on the extras, and uh, there's one in particular that I really wanted to to pull out, uh, and that is Shivers, um, yes. mentioned in the commentary as an influence on Alien and sharing a, a specific special effects technique with contamination, uh, which go is gone into in the commentary, and I won't spoil it here. You should should listen to it if if you do buy this disc. Um, you know, forgive me for even partially recommending that you buy this disc but anyway shivers is an example of of this kind of grindhouse movie um that that also has an art house feel like alien it always feels like a a lost jg ballard adaptation to me uh shivers I, i love it so so much and it's on arrow so we'll maybe do a full episode on it one day yeah um so i'll just leave it there um shivers a perfect fucked up movie if you like this sort of thing, you'll love Shivers because it's much better. Uh, I recommend it. Dan, next from you. Uh, next from me is uh, Quatermass 2. Nice. Um, which is something that Cosy says is uh, an influence on uh, on the script. And actually, right. I, I went back and rewatched it, and uh, I always get the Quatermass order muddled up in my head, experiment, uh, whatever two subtitle is and and the pit and mm. and so on but yeah it's it's fantastic fun it definitely has this sort of like maybe eggs from space elements it also has a lot to uh thank invasion of body Snatchers for although in this instance the original um mm. and yeah it's um it's it's just a really nice super british like lots of very very british people doing very british things lovely little sci-fi some great map paintings cool awesome perfect yep i, I back that recommendation oh and it's sure. and it's it's free on amazon as well hey perfect well if you only watch one movie that was shot on a shoestring and feels like it takes place in the alien universe uh watch john carpenter's dark star which is relatively underseen i'd say um film once again arrow i'm begging you for a blu-ray release of this one uh it's a wonderful wonderful subversive movie that directly inspired alien um it's basically a working class version of 2001 a space odyssey just like alien is and as with contamination it features an alien you could play team sports with Um, (laughs) so yeah 
Dark Star. I think I've, I've, I think I've recommended it before. I'm sure I have. I'm sure it's great. Um, yeah, it's just maybe the best student film ever made. Uh, yeah, excellent stuff. Dark Star, I recommend it. And one of those lovely ones where you you see all the the stuff that those people would go on and do yeah. all over it. It's yeah. lovely. It's it's magic, really is. Um, right, Dan, what have you been watching uh, over the past couple of weeks? So you know we talked about things you should have watched before and you haven't. Oh yes. Yeah. So this isn't oh, like well, an old. We didn't talk about that, did we? Because I cut it. Oh out. yeah, you but, cut that out. But yeah. Okay, anyway, well, carry that'll, on. Carry that'll on. make sense. <laughs> I really can't tell if you're planning on cutting that or not. <laughs> Um, it's not a particularly old film, but it's a film that for some reason I just didn't have the motivation to go and see when it came out a few years ago. Uh, and I, you know, suddenly was sort of taken by a, you know, yeah, I quite fancy that. Maybe I'll sit down and watch that. And I watched it. And what the fuck was I thinking? Why didn't I watch Blade Runner 2049 earlier? Oh, wow. Just fucking put it in my veins. Amazing. What a beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's always hard to make a, a solid judgment directly after watching such a like a, a an Im, like an impressive or impactful film the mm. first time. But where I am now emotionally, I would say I think it's it's superior to the original. I just everything about it was so absolutely what I wanted. I um, I I cannot agree with that purely because of, of my love of the original. But a, a lot of people do actually say that, Dan. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's it's Especially th- younger The thing people. is, yeah, I mean, people maybe who haven't seen the original. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is, I was probably slightly too young for the original when I first saw it. Um, and I saw the version with the unicorns in it. Um, neither of which, like, I think I was 12 when I saw it. I think I was around about the same age, yeah. maybe a little bit younger. On, um, on, on, on a TV off VHS in the uh, in the music department had a, a big-ish TV at my school uh, and we watched it there and we were meant to be doing something else. And I've always found it very, very impressive. And I, I know it's good, but I don't love it. I've never loved it, the original. Mm-hmm. Whereas like everything about 2049 was just gorgeous. It, it had more efficient pathos. I preferred the design. Like, it's ridiculous that the aesthetic was preferable to me, considering my love of practical and miniature effects mm. and how digital the, the, the second one is. But it's so well put together. And I think it's a, a testament to planning. <laughs> it's a testament to knowing what you're going to do. That is very, very much uh, a film where everything was decided ahead of time. I think one of the reasons that VFX gets such a bad rap is that it is seen as a license to be able to change your mind and tweak things down the line. And that often leads to a sort of a mulching of vision. And I don't get the feeling that there was a lot of that on 2049. I mean, I'm absolutely certain there were there were battles between production and direction about what they were, what was do what was being done. But even even when it got slow, it got slow in a way that I liked, in a way mm-hmm. that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, a, a very interesting one. Um, I saw that at the Empire, um, Leicester Square, on a mm. massive screen, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of all-encompassing and overwhelming. And I haven't actually returned to it since. Um, you know, I, I'm of a mind, like when I first saw Blade Runner, like I was young enough to be kind of confused by some of the, the the elements of it and and i had such a vivid memory of when the snake woman gets shot as she's running away like yeah. that is one of my kind of early childhood memories so i must have seen it slightly younger than um 
yeah definitely younger than than 12 um but i it's just a film that i return to over and over again and and get more from it each time and i still maintain that the tears and rain speech is is the greatest moment in cinema history i i just think it's unbelievably profound and and powerful and the fact that it was a kind of improvisation uh just adds to its magic for me but you know going by your reaction to 2049 maybe i do need to sit down and and watch it again give it another go it's been a while since it was out the cinema so um yeah let's see how i react to it this time because i certainly didn't have that reaction i didn't think it was bad but yeah i couldn't understand it when people were saying oh yeah it's better than the original but if you're saying that too i need to give it another go I, yeah, I just want more. I want more of them. I want more beautiful, considered sci-fi noir. Yeah, I mean, that would be wonderful. It would be nice if it was in a different world, like a, just a completely new creation. Um, yeah, it, well, it know. helped that I watched it sort of in the middle of the second outing of the second season of Love, Death, Robots, which I okay. think is a vast improvement on the first series. I like the first series. They were a bit hit and miss. Second yeah, series, were. every everyone's a banger. Oh, okay. Um, and there were loads where you could almost imagine that they were in the same world, mm-hmm. that there were, there were crossovers. Cool. Like maybe not in the same country, but in the same future. Okay. Um, nice. And yeah, I like I. that's a, another very strong recommendation. They're all great. The first cool. one's very funny. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they're almost all really serious. Excellent. Well, I'll give that a go too because uh, I agree that the first series was hit and miss so much so that I haven't bothered with the new one yet. So um, there we go. I've got plenty to watch over the next couple of weeks. But uh, something that I watched very recently, the new Lake Mungo limited edition Blu-ray from Second Sight. Now, I've had this on import DVD when it was on After Dark in the States and I also had it on UK the UK DVD release. Because people do say like, oh, this was impossible to see. It wasn't. There, there was a DVD. Um, yeah. But it has never had the release it deserved. There's never been, you know, great extras or anything like that. Now it does. Now, this is a film that I've loved since 2011. It kind of popped up on my honourable mentions on my 2011 Films of the Year list for Total Film, which was kind of my way of doing a top 20 instead of a top 10, as I am wont to do as regular listeners to uh, Mm -hmm. end-of-year specials will know. It was number two on that list behind Blue Valentine. But yeah, what I'm saying is it's an amazing film. I've loved it for 10 years and I'm so happy for it to finally get this incredible limited edition Blu-ray, which is an essential purchase. You'll really kick yourself when it sells out if you don't pick it up. It is limited to 3,000 copies and it's got beautiful slipcase packaging, amazing extras. Uh, There's a great kind of conversational tribute by friends of arrow benson and moorhead of the endless fame and actually i've never made the connection really between their work and lake mungo but it is there um especially in the endless and yeah there's a a, a zoom appreciation dan um hey. by host director rob savage as as well as contributions from the filmmakers themselves so sadly not the director just the producer and the dop but um they pop up in a couple of places couple of fantastic video essays and a typically brilliant audio commentary from Alexandra Helen Nicholas paired with Emma Westwood here. As for the film itself, because there is a very good chance that, that you won't have seen it because it has been one of those kind of 
secret movies that that's passed amongst people for some reason but yeah i'm not going to say too much about it other than it's kind of a, a very creepy ghost story that mixes mockumentary and found footage that becomes something much more profound than that description makes it sound don't read any reviews the way this unfolds is so special so yeah just just buy it really ahead of its time this was made before netflix documentaries but it has something of that kind of vibe to it and it came out the year after paranormal activity and is kind of infinitely better than that actually pretty great film i do really like paranormal activity but yeah it, it lake mungo is just so much better but obviously it just didn't have the marketing that that something like paranormal activity had and it's yeah. it's dealing with more complex themes but this is honestly this is a true future horror classic especially now that more people are going to see it i do think that it's only going to grow uh, uh, from the kind of cult following that it's got at the moment into just something that is legitimately talked about as a as a horror classic so trust me you'll want it like i say limited to three thousand copies lake mungo i recommend it dan how do you feel about lake mungo i love it absolutely love it it's yeah it's it's one of the top five found footage films of all time yeah it's absolutely spectacular and yeah it's a it's a real shame that that the director's not gone on to do anything else. I think he was attached to something a little while ago, um, mm. and it hasn't. It seems to have sort of slightly fizzled out. But I, I think it wasn't a particularly uh, pleasant experience for him. Right. The, the sort of the the after having made the movie, like how it was handled, which is a real shame because it's an absolutely fantastic film and it deserves better treatment and a bigger audience than it found. And so yeah, hopefully this lovely special edition will be a, a pathway to that. And and yeah, there's there's kind of stuff in there that, that's specific to the location where it's kind of set and and australia's history in general that that's gone into in the commentary that takes it even further up in my estimation um i already thought it was kind of an incredible incredible movie and now i realize that it's doing stuff that i wasn't aware of so um cannot recommend this release more it will definitely be in my top 10 blu-ray releases of the year for sure so um there you go dan what's next from you i caught a film on our video player last week uh that i'd heard talked about but had never seen uh called sleeping dogs oh. uh roger donaldson sam neill from 77 mm-hmm. um it's great i love sam neill uh, I think he's fantastic. Obviously, we already mentioned Possession once in this podcast, yes. <laughs> this episode. Um, yeah, I, I, Sam Neill is on on top form in this. It's early in his career. Uh, it's early in the sort of like new wave New Zealand film. It's sort of like part action film, part social commentary. It's about a uh, a sort of overbearing government using the will of the people and referendums uh, against the what the best interests of the people and forcing them into a violent situation. And Sam Neill's character, who is initially very inward facing and at one point says, I don't care about that politics stuff, sort of gets dragged into what eventually is an armed revolution in New Zealand. And it's great. Fantastic and, movie. You know, timely now. Yeah, very much so. And, and that's on Arrow Player, you say? That's on Arrow Player, yeah. Fantastic. Again, Excellent. like, yeah, so like, the thing is, yeah, maybe you're not going to buy Contamination with only 50% of us loving it and even <laughs> that one doing so with caveats. But it's free if you've got the Arrow Player. And Arrow Player is free for a bit if you want it and then if you love it or if you just want to know more about it then you can pick up the disc yeah exactly yeah because you know we still as much as we're we're digging into the arrow player and all that kind of thing our main passion and reason for doing this podcast in the first place is our love of physical media oh yeah so um yeah 
definitely subscribe to the Arrow player, but um, don't let it stop you from picking up these films on disc because even the shit ones have entertaining extras as as uh, I continue <laughs> as I continue to discover. But I'm going to recommend a different streaming service because this is one that I haven't picked up on Blu-ray yet, but there is an edition floating around that I'm going to try and get hold of. Psycho Goreman, which finally came to Shudder uh, in the UK as well as in the States. Now, I first mentioned this one on the podcast last year because I'm lucky enough to be uh, friends with the director, Steve uh, Kostansky, and so I heard about it pretty early on and everything about it excited me and so i've been kind of hyped for this for quite a long time and it's fucking perfect i loved it so much if you watched terminator 2 as a kid and wished you had your own terminator just like john connor which i certainly did um throughout the 90s this is the movie for you two children mimi and luke discover an alien killing machine in their garden and take control of him much against his wishes That is basically the plot, and it's just supreme fun from start to finish. It's exactly my sense of humour. I love the performances. Even the kids, the the young actress who plays Mimi has been sadly pretty divisive, but she's genuinely one of my favourite things in the movie. She's hilarious. She's amazing. She's She's, absolutely incredible. Really cool practical effects, obviously, as, as you'd expect. Lots of imagination and uh, a really, really fun script. It's basically the movie I'd hoped the Astron 6 guys would make after Manborg, which is another movie I love. So yeah, Psycho Gore Man on Shudder, and there is a Blu-ray floating around from the States. I very much recommend it. I loved it. Dan, how did you feel about Psycho Gore Man? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Jen and I now refer to Pig and Moose as our hunky boys uh, (laughs) because of it. (laughs) Yeah. The, The sheer volume of builds as far as the yeah. practical effects goes, is delightful. And they're not all perfect, but they're all fun. Exactly. Um, They've all got charm. Um, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Brain in a Jar. Yeah. Uh, big, big fan of uh, anthropomorphic tub full of body parts. Yeah. Do you know who that's played by? <laughs> no, who's that? Um, Rich Evans from Red Letter Media. Oh, nice. Yeah, very fun. I've been um, watching more of that recently, actually. I enjoyed their uh, dissection of Army of the Dead. Yes, yes, that was that was a great episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, let's get into this very quickly before we, we, we start to wrap this up. Army of the Dead. Fucking yeah. hell. I, yeah. I honestly felt like I, I it made me feel feel ill. Like I thought that I were I thought I had cataracts. Like uh, it's the worst. You know me, right? I love deep focus. I'm a big deep focus fan. I'm a I'm a Greg Toland kind of guy. This film the depth of field this just, fucking film it made me feel physically sick how, how i you wonder know. how i wonder how much of that was added in post because it meant that they didn't have to worry about comping uh out a sex pest quite so much yeah well i i don't know though because um he he's taught he talked in interviews beforehand and like there's on set stuff where he's talking about the lens he's using and yeah. And he loves it but, because um, you can't see anything. Well, yes, but then there's also bits where he talks about knowing what Zombie by the Cranberries is about. Right. So, yeah. okay, you know, so. just because he says some shit. <laughs> and, and and by the way, Snyder, Snyder versus Snyder fans, right? I currently have two films on my best films of 2021. And 
one of them is Zack Snyder's Justice League. The other one is Psycho Gorman, right? So, you know, I am struggling a little bit this year, but I do like Zack Snyder. I've interviewed him a couple of times. I interviewed him for 300, for Man of Steel, for BVS. I think he's a genuinely nice guy, an actual really lovely guy, really interesting guy. And I've supported his films right up until this point. So please don't come for us with hashtags. I mean, go for Dan if you want. He hates all the, all these films. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I'm saying is, please... I've got Sucker Punch on Blu-ray. Oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> Sucker Punch is the one that I don't like that you love. I don't... I mean, I mean it's, how, it's how are we such flawed. good friends? Yes, it is deeply <laughs> um, And I've got, I've got 300 on Blu-ray as well. And his remake of dawn of the dead yeah so, yeah yeah you know the man's not without his own merits but i think that he like a lot of people he just needs a filter and yeah. in this instance that filter is someone else writing and shooting his films yeah yeah like it... you know the, or being an auteur isn't for everybody he's an incredibly proficient technical director mm. i love his montage work he's you know he's got a lot to offer but unfortunately deciding to take uh you know a very specific and strong aesthetic location and place and genre and to change it for all worse things mm. like you know he's turned the neon strip into a, a power out dust bowl aside from that opening montage there's nothing to make it vegas you know as a necessary location all that stuff at the beginning is great fun then it's just dark corridors it's a shame. Yeah. I like Dave a lot. I worked with him on uh, Final Score, and he was lovely. And he's demonstrated real range. Like you know, it was I was probably only about three or four days apart that I watched this and Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's not in Blade Runner for a lot, but he's really good in it. He's great in Blade like, Runner. Like there's a great yeah. like sad giant quality to him in that. Yeah. And and that would have been such a good like that basically if they'd just taken that character and put that in Army of the Dead. That would have been a much better character for both the film and for him as an actor. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not one of these people who's kind of against directors shooting their own stuff and editing their own stuff. I used to be, and then I did it, and obviously, loads of great directors have shot their own. Like George A. Romero has shot and edited, and and I saw an argument recently online against directors editing their own stuff, and that you know it's always hacks that do it, and it's like well tell it to kurosawa and seven samurai but well, anyway yeah, well, twitter recently went up against seven samurai film twitter didn't it yeah because it's I, what, what was it what was the argument that it's it's too they, long and it's, they said it's long and slow and talky and it's and it's the it's become the excuse for everyone who sees it and thinks they've discovered cinema yeah well um and uh, it, well, yeah, it's probably used that. in connection to army of the dead actually so uh i'm probably not the first person to to make that uh, comparison well, but, so, but but I don't, here's, here's I the don't... point let me just finish off this point yeah, yeah yeah go if you've got a dp as incredible as larry fong right and yeah. however you feel about snyder's movies over the past kind of however many years they're beautifully shot you know they look stunning yeah. and and just why would you say do you know what mate you sit this one out i'm gonna screw on a wonky lens um, to my digital camera and uh, with two dead pixels, three dead pixels in it. Yeah, and and make Sam feel sick. I didn't even make it to the end, Dan. I, I got an hour in. And I was like, I just I can't the whole do this thing. anymore. I can't do it. I, I'm not I, reviewing I, the film as a whole because obviously I haven't seen it, so so I don't know structurally how good or bad it is. But all I'm honing in on was the cinematography, which was the thing that made me stop watching it. This is the thing. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule that a director can't write their own direct you know edit yeah. their own shoot their own film yeah, yeah but i think every time you make that decision you take away 
the possibility of a collaborator who can make your work better. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. So but, yes, but obviously on balance, sometimes it's going also, to work. you know, potentially someone who can make it worse. You never know. Yeah, but but I think that that's the the job of the director is to make sure that those people don't make it worse. They only make it better. Yeah, very true. You very, know, they're the true. they're the lightning rod for all those great ideas around them. But it's their persistence of vision that keeps the film on track. Mm. Dan, so, I was I was uh, doing my usual kind of devil's advocate thing there. I completely agree with you. I do think that the more collaborators that you can kind of pile onto a project, the better. 100% in every area of the crew um, with my stuff I've only made stuff with tiny crews when I've worked with crews or, or done stuff DIY purely for budgetary reasons but should I ever get to work with proper budgets you better believe that I'm going to be hiring as many people as possible because collaborators uh, it's just what makes movies great and greater the right people in the right jobs just will always elevate art but anyway, that was all off the back of Army of the Dead. Um, should, how, what are our final thoughts of, of Army of the Dead, Dan? You should have these because you've actually seen it. Oh, I mean, there's a sequel planned, there's a comic book spin-off, and there's an animated prequel planned also that will apparently explain the robot zombies. Yeah, I don't know. I can't be bothered with any of it. <laughs> but you'll probably watch it. I, I don't know if I will. That's a lot of media to to crawl through mm. when there's other stuff on like the thing you know there's a reason i sat down and watched it i liked his other zombie film i you know while i haven't liked everything he's made I've, i'd say i'd like more than half of it i gave him a shot but like he's gonna revisit that world i'm not particularly sure i care about that do you know what i literally i just realized something so what i did was i i watched an hour of it like i said and it was just making me feel unwell so I was like, hang on a minute. I've got an hour and a half to go or whatever. Yeah. I, I could be watching Citizen Kane and instead I'm watching this. And so I put on Citizen Kane again. And what I've just realised is that it was like an antidote to what I was watching because obviously Citizen Kane has all that amazing deep focus, like those shots yeah. that just go on forever. And I hadn't realised that it was literal medicine that I was reaching for. But um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, if you've got time to watch Army of the Dead, you've got time to watch Citizen Kane. Again, I promise I won't recommend that because that's patronising. So should we move on to extra features, extra features, extra features? Extra features, extra features. Now, this week in extra features... I would like to set a challenge for our precious arrowheads. There is no reward to this other than the, the pleasure of having your correspondence read out on the episode. But we've had a couple of emails over the past couple of months that have that mentioned the fact that people have watched movies that we've recommended. We would love it if you would go into more detail about that. So... If there is anyone out there, any lovely Arrowheads who have come across a, a movie that we've recommended, it's been a, I won't say life-changing experience because that's quite a high bar, but um, if we've recommended something that you've really enjoyed, please do write to us about it with some specifics because uh, I'm really intrigued as to kind of what kind of stuff really stands out when we recommend it. I haven't discussed this with you ahead of time, Dan, but is that something that you're interested in finding out? Yeah, absolutely. We've had a couple of emails over the years talking about specific things and we it's have. always such a lovely feeling yeah. when someone's like, oh, I can't believe Sam and Dan recommended this great film and now I love it. You know, maybe it's something you'd heard of, but had, it hadn't bitten your, you know, hadn't grabbed your attention, and something we said about it tipped you. Or maybe it's something you're not heard of and you tracked down because of because of one of us. 
Um, but yeah, those, that's probably my favourite bit of all of this is when someone reaches out and says, oh my God, I hadn't seen this before, but you recommended it and I love it. And absolutely, even you know, if it's stuff from the main discussion, like one of the most special emails we've ever had was the, ga- the Gamera. Gamera. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Dan is, I, I'm editing the episodes now and Dan is writing... Uh, the episode description so uh, i'm sure he will find it within his heart to put the email address within the description of this episode so it already um, is so you can there you go so um please do reach out we always love to hear from you speaking of hearing from you we occasionally hear from you over social media and so now it's time for us to give our social media for any new listeners dan how can people stalk you across the internet on Twitter and Instagram, I am at 13fingerfx. I tweet about films. I tweet about films I've worked on. I tweet about films I've seen. I tweet about my dogs. Those are the things. Yep. No politics. <laughs> no, never never any politics. If you do want to follow me on Twitter, then I am at Sam Ashers, uh, which is my name. All, all one word. Um, or you can just look at pictures of the countryside uh, that I put up over on Instagram at samashes23. I'm going to leave it there and go into the catchphrase. Thank you so much for listening, and we promise to be more promise. professional next time. Bye bye. Next time. Bye. bye.